Take off that vest, Fogel. You look like Aladdin. Welcome in to the Bro for Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 186, and I am your host, the mayor, Jeff Hornacek. Before we get started with the movie discussion tonight, let's go around and meet the fellow bro, and it is our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli. Ronnie, I have been watching the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+, and I've noticed that the Empire doesn't have a single break room, at least that's shown in any of their military bases. So have to ask you, legally speaking, is this opening them up to some sort of lawsuit since, as we know, the stormtroopers are unionized? Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, I have to feel that the Empire has already made sure that the union negotiation allowed for no break rooms. As we've seen in other canon Star Wars discussions, no, uh, you know, oh my gosh, they can't even lean right. on railings. They took railings out of the Death Star. Yeah, so obviously, I just think, yes, they're unionized, but the Stormtroopers do not have a strong union. And the Empire, maybe they're just that much better. Can I say something I don't think is fair? The Stormtroopers who smoke get extra breaks throughout the day. Like, are, are we incentivizing smoking on the Death Star? Yeah, but have you ever gone smoking in space? Like, they have to leave the Death Star to smoke. I mean, like, it's, not, it's not good. So, I mean, obviously it's encouraged. If you want to smoke, it will kill you. <laughs> okay. Literally. It's the Surgeon General now? I hope to be. A transition from law to the <laughs> I'm very ambitious. My mom will be very proud. Or confused. Like, when did you become, you know what, never mind. <laughs> All right, well, here on the Bro4 Squad podcast, we start every episode off with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chess day. And our chess day topic today, actually, these episodes drop about a week behind when we record them. So as this is being released, and as you are listening to this, this is probably two or three weeks old. But as you probably noticed from the title of this episode, it's Morbin time. And what is that referring to? Well, we had something that was so down the Bro4 Squad's alley take place on the internet a few weeks ago, also involving movies that Cycle and I had to talk about it today. So if you're not familiar, and I have an article from Newsweek that I will be referring to as we discuss this, but uh, It's Morbin Time is was a hashtag that began trending on Twitter and possibly even Instagram that was essentially internet trolls pretending to have an absurd interest in Morbius after it had been pulled from theaters, clamoring sarcastically, of course, for a sequel and spin-off movies. How and, dare you say sarcastically? <laughs> and I guess the best way to summarize this, and after I read this cycle, I'll turn it over to you before we get into the weeds, but the Newsweek article is titled, Sony misread internet culture as the trolled Morbius bombs again. So essentially, this hashtag campaign uh, ironically started as it's Morbin time and the algorithm or whatever these companies use to uh, analyze their social reach or social engagement said, there's a lot of chatter about Morbius. We should re-release it in theaters for an additional weekend here in June. We're going to fucking make bank. bro. Well, it turned out that it made an additional $85,000 on the June 3rd weekend, but more importantly, which is so bad, which is, I'm really sorry. Bad. It's really, really bad. I, I don't know what the average ticket price is these days, but I've, let's say $20. Let me do some quick math. And this is, obviously, the theater takes a small cut of this. So if the average ticket price is $20, that's 4,200 people that went to go see this 
Even yeah. if we're like very liberal about this, it's a one dollar for a ticket. Right. You're talking about eighty five thousand people in a country in the world. Yeah, or the country was, of three hundred. I think it released in some global markets. So that yeah, number but even is, if you just take the United States, that's three hundred fifty million people. Eighty five thousand out of three hundred fifty million. Yeah. That's that's bad. That's about eighty five people in each state. God. So not even one full movie theater in each of the fifty <laughs> states. Um, the point here really is though, and, and cycling, just take this and run with it. But I think this shows a few things. Number one, the internet, definitely a double edged sword, but this is one of the moments where it really brings me pure joy in the trolling that took place here. And number two, this just shows, we kind of talked about this a few episodes back when we discussed some of the PR issues that Paramount had with their big, uh, investor meeting where it just... I don't want to blame boomers specifically, but some of the people in charge of the PR and marketing at these studios just don't fucking get it. And I mean, what if if you're Sony right now, are you embarrassed? Can you like steer into the skid here and make a fun of yourself? Like, what do you do after you release this misreading the chatter of it on the Internet and only making eighty five thousand dollars in a weekend? I think there's something to say, like not to be funny. Ha ha boomer that is realistic in the situation. You have to understand that there's a generation out there and generations before those generations that were led to believe and told, and it made sense back then, that there was no such thing as bad press. Yeah. That the more attention to you, the better. But that we have to be honest about the context of this. This was back in the times where there was no quick way to get people's attention. We know everything about anything about happening anywhere now and so back in the day when you found out something whether negative or positive people were talking about it people were curious uh people asked questions the thing now is yeah 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 we get it press people are talking about morbius haha um but there's a difference now i am you know what is it good for morbius that people were talking about it actually no because now people could have been genuinely like curious about jared leto um, and this film and saying, oh, you know, it's another quote unquote Marvel movie. And that's debatable, obviously. So it's like that's one part of it. But saying like, oh, wait, no, no, go on the Internet and everyone's trashing it. And not even a funny like I have to see this kind of way. Yeah. And I think the tables have turned and the culture has changed on the whole idea that there is no longer bad publicity. And I th- think it still works in some ways, but it's not any it's no longer an absolute and this is a boomer generation i would have to imagine in that room saying no no even though they're making fun of us that means people will want to see it more where in actuality is like no dude i'm not spending 20 dollars and two and a half hours in a theater for this i want to know like the people that actually went to go see it that weekend like they must have clearly been confused or they were like i thought this was out of theaters why is morbius playing today do you think that 85, like, again, like the, so 30, I mean, let's just be honest, like 20,000 people, 15 people, whoever saw this, I have to imagine a lot of them were seeing it for a second time. Maybe, or maybe they just did. I mean, right? like, did they miss were... something? Did they feel like they were misguided? They saw it trending on the internet and they're like, oh, I got to see this movie again. I mean, first off, it's Mormon time is incredibly <laughs> hilarious. Uh, I don't know if you saw the tweet Jared Leto actually put out. He was even in on the joke after this yes. happened. He showed a video of him like reading a script called Morbius 2. It's Morbin time. And I, the author or the, the 
person who had allegedly penned the script was a Dr. Seuss character. I can't remember the name that he had used on it specifically. Which, first of all, I, w- I think I've been on the record on this pod saying how much I hate him. Like, I am... He's really weird. Yeah. He is not... This is probably the definition of the most pretentious person ever. I agree. Like, um, and so, you know, I, I had a lot of, like... There was a little schadenfreunde, right, like, in me to be like, oh, I'm happy to see this film fail. And then when it failed again in a non-ironic way, like, that was just, like, a cherry on top. Like, I was actually almost nervous. I understand why they decided to bring it back in theaters. Mm -hmm. Because everyone was talking about it for weeks. And then when they announced it before, before it actually came out, I'm sure you're aware, people on the internet were like, what are you doing? We were joking. Right. People well, were worried about it. That's what I want to ask. Like, who is to blame for this at Sony? Like, you have to think, there ha- is there not someone younger in their PR social media department who's like, you guys aren't actually thinking that this is real fucking momentum we have on the internet, right? Yeah, but they're not listening to him while he's delivering their sandwiches. Yeah, that's true. It's the, the Grubhub guy is the only person who's the sane voice in the room. I guarantee you that person at Sony was someone who was a marketing guru 20 years ago probably yeah like oh i hire all of like uh we have so many people on our twitter team on our insta team and felt confident saying hey this is trending all the time and and why would why wouldn't you believe that if you see what's trending is a good thing i didn't look but do you know or have you seen anything like did they actually use the hashtag it's Morbin time on the re-release. Like, did they not realize that that was in jest or did they try to actually market the movie? <laughs> I did not see that. I really hope they didn't. I hope they did. I hope they did. But I, I as a Power Rangers fan, <laughs> I'm almost offended. That's true. Um, another thing I wanted to ask before I read you this other tweet that's going to crack you up is, and this I mean this legitimately because I actually don't even know how I would fall on the side of this. If they were to make a sequel to this movie, which I think, like, prior to the re-release here, the algorithm was telling them, okay, there is an yes. appetite for a follow-up. Would the internet troll culture be so committed that they might actually go see it when it came out to have it make money just to continue the joke? You see, that's a hard line, right? Because they the, the trolls were about out and about for this, this re-release, and, and look what happened. They got $85,000. So... You have to almost like play perfectly to where they still don't profit off the film, but enough to where they want to make a, a trilogy. <laughs> it's like the Sharknados. And like if you're someone out there that actually likes those movies, then just I, I don't get it. But people like ironically watch the first couple of those, right? And then See, they they got in on the joke and it wasn't funny anymore. So I wonder if they could I, end up with the Morbius sequel. You but you and I both unapologetically love bad movies yeah right but like here's the difference we love bad movies that are like almost making fun of a genre and and yeah we can talk about satirical way but like there are bad movies that have just funny plots and that are ridiculous inherently but they know they're not winning an oscar right or or trying to they know what they are yeah they know what they are and then there's the movies that are bad that think they're good and i think that's jared leto I think he is the perfect like face for this franchise that thinks people are enjoying it and would want a sequel minimum 
Um, and for some reason, he would probably be on board because he thinks that people would be going to it. And and I don't know. I think I think this proves that not enough people would see a sequel. But Sony's not going to stop. I don't think. I uh, yeah. I mean, I, Leto like being surprisingly self-aware here. I don't wonder if he would come back to let himself sort of be the butt of the joke. But maybe he would. I don't know. Unless he like, I could see him being like, "I'm going to be a producer on this." I think, yeah, I think he was a producer on this one as well. Oh shit! Um, all right, so there is a tweet, uh, or maybe this is just an article that David C. Bell wrote. He's a movie journalist. I think this is an article, but this is what he said. He said, "Quote: Of course, the Morbius re-release failed. All our memes were about wanting a TV show, Sony." Make a Morbius TV show. We'll watch it for sure. He also urged Sony to spend $30 million an episode because it's, quote, what the people want. Before adding, he wants a Morbius land theme park in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> Look, yeah, man, why, we got to give the people what they want. That's why uh, people didn't go to the theater. Right, it's not enough Morbius. Yeah, why would you go knowing you're going to be disappointed because it's only two and a half hours? <laughs> And I do love this quote in the Newsweek article. Um, Cajunelli, who I think is the person who wrote it, summarized the reaction on Twitter by explaining to Sony that social media was laughing at the movie's expense. Quote, like, do they not understand internet culture? We weren't Morbin with the movie. We were Morbin <laughs> at the movie. <laughs> I think that has to replace laughing with you and at you forever. Yeah. Morbin with you and at you. I just appreciate that it brought back Power Rangers culture. Oh my God! Uh, sorry, I just found this on the bottom. The uh, this is the this is the best and worst part of the story too. The official Morbius social media accounts attempted to join in ahead of the re-release. On social media, they asked, "Quote, what time is it?" To which the answer is, "It's Morbin time," and announced that Morbius is now back in theaters and available on digital. <laughs> uh, I see and. Take away Jared Leto and take away, like, I, okay, I'll i be honest. I have not seen this movie. I have. I ha you have. Okay. So you, I'm going to rely on you here. It's fun for someone like me who hates Jared Leto, who thinks some of these movies are starting to get a little redundant, that I just don't, you know, it's fun to watch it fail, right? Like, it is fun inherently to watch this kind of movie fail. Now, I, I again, as you saw the movie, so like you and how do you feel about that aspect? Did you feel like the movie deserves this kind of retribution? Did when you saw it, did you walk up like that's not as bad as people are making it? Like, what's your opinion? So it's not like Batman and Robin bad. It's not good, but like there's some cool stuff in it. Like there's definitely worse superhero movies that have come out in like the last five or six years. But I do think Jared Leto, like you were saying, is is where this has a different ingredient because he is just so precious with the way he views himself as a, right. a I will say thespian because I'm sure that's what he would prefer to be called. <laughs> Absolutely. Or as a performer. So for him to be involved in something that's kind of trashy like this and it's just like, what what draws you to this role? Like you, you can't be like this dude who's in the desert when COVID hits because you're so out of the loop and so aloof and then all of a sudden you're doing Morbius. Like you, those two things just don't jive. Is he trying to compete with like Joker? You think like this like darker superhero? I mean, like, cause that's his mantra, right? Like 
he's he's deep you know like you don't get him man i think he's like forever hurt by the fact that to my knowledge we'll exclude cesar romero because he played a completely different thing but jared leto was really the only person to portray joker where i think the vast majority of people did not like his iteration of the character and i think that has hurt his ego to a large extent and i will you're not going to hear me defend jared leto much but one of his movies is in my top 20. I will say I that. which one it is. Yeah, because there's only one in my opinion that should be there. Um, but two... Oh, wait. His, his no, jo- maybe oh, I don't know then. Oh, I'm curious now. I, we might have to have this off pod. Well, I'm between two. I I'm mean, interested. one he has a small role in, but... Well, I was going to say, I also don't feel like his Joker was as bad as it, he gets... Uh, attention for so it's funny that i hate him so much but i actually will defend like i have a movie of his in top 20 and his joker it, it i don't think it's his fault that his joker gets uh, run down the way it does he just doesn't get that much screen time in a shitty movie like yeah. that movie is not good it's not. um and so like i felt like you know it's not his fault again that's probably the most you're gonna hear me defend him uh now the movie i have of his in my top 20 he was much younger so that might answer your question of what you're wondering. I mean, he's pretty young in the one I'm thinking of. Shit. Okay. <laughs> I need to know. But it's it's a smaller role, the other one. But I know you absolutely love the other movie he's in that I'm thinking of. Shit. Do I have multiple Jared Leto movies in my The one I'm thinking of involves liposuction. Oh, my gosh. Okay. His character accidentally rips open a bag of liposuction. Yeah. That's funny. Okay. I, before getting this into a full conversation yeah we've derailed like the sony social media executives shit you're right no i have <clears throat> i oh my god i'm looking at this i think i have three or four jared Lotos in my top 100 in general oh my god yeah i mean his oh filmography is top heavy definitely is. he's the thing is like about him is what he's you're you have a good point if we're gonna have a conversation about jared Leto, like He's he's really good when he's not like obsessed with himself. Yes. Right. Like the support, like these smaller roles. He's fine. Like it's it's the I think this happened in the last 10 years. Like this kind of like you can't look at me in the eye if I don't view you as an equal type person. Definitely. Like if you go read about him, he's like, you know, when all that shit came out about Ellen DeGeneres. Yes. He's kind of the same way. It's kind of the same way. Because he's on, what, 30 Seconds to Mars, I think, is his band? Yeah, I was going to ask if you had any 30 Seconds to Mars songs in your top 100. I do, I do but not. That's not even the same thing. <laughs> my, whole, my top number one movie is 30 Seconds to Mars. So it's just their just music, a music video. video that they did, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I just think he's, I don't know, he developed in this persona where he he views himself as like, oh, I'm a, a musician and an actor, like you said, thespian. Like, we all need those people in high school thought they were artsy and just like holier than thou right and it's like dude just stop no one's impressed <laughs> <clears throat> also he's like so method to the point where i'm like all right bro we get it like you're sending people dead rats as the joker maybe 10 years ago i would have thought that was really fucking edgy and cool but now i'm just like stop yeah that'd be one thing in high school as as like marketing you know like send to classes like come come see our play yeah here's a dead rat it's like, dude, you know, like who's delivering these in the hall? I just, school? I just have to hope like that. Just the eighty-five thousand took them all, even if they were in on the joke. 
that has to sting. Just knock you down a peg or two. Absolutely. Um, and I don't know what the next Sony release is. At least uh, maybe it's Craven the Hunter um, as far as their Marvel fair. But I have to imagine that uh, the internet will look to target them again because it's like the the lion hunting the gazelle. Like once you see the leak one, weak one limping in the back, it's like, well, we have to kill that <laughs> one first. What's your opinion, though? Do we get a sequel? I don't think so. Does the movie call for it? Uh, well, the end credit scene, we can get into this. I don't want to spoil it for anyone else. It is the <laughs> Who's most... Who's going to watch it at this point that hasn't watched Morbius? Well, the end credit scene is kind of famous now because okay. it tries to set something up that there's no way they'll ever be able to set up. Okay. Um, I was, like, laughing at it. I was like, dude, you're never going to be able to make that fucking movie. Like, stop. Well, they're hoping. They're hoping. I guess. One of... The, one of the actors who came back for the post-credit scene, I was like, wow, how much did you pay them for this? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I will never be above selling out, right? Like, I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll take whatever you want. Give me for five seconds of screen time. Yeah. The actor in the scene, I mean, he's someone we love. I'm sure they were just like, yeah, dude, if you pay me $15,000 for 30 seconds of work, sure. <laughs> yeah. Why would I ever say no? Would you recommend to someone like me to see Morbius? Um, Would I have fun? Like, you know, I now actually, that I know how much it's filmed. I don't think it's bad. Like, you're not going to, like, laugh at it. You're just going to be like, oh, this is not really that fun. There's some cool visuals, and the villain in it has some moments, but it's just not... It's not, like, bad enough to be funny, and it's definitely not good enough to entertain you. Hmm. I'm trying if to it's for free one day, I might watch it. Yeah. I uh, watched it from my local library. Let me put it that way. Yeah, yeah. you're a very big supporter of your local library. 100%. That's where my tax dollars I love that about you. Yeah. Like, how did his local library have Morbius? It's code for something. (laughs) It fell off the back of a truck. Yeah, there you go. Guys. Dominic Toretto and I uh, robbed a DVD truck. (laughs) They're like, we're going to throw these things away anyways. DVDs now are like the Super Bowl shirts for the team that doesn't win that they send to, like, impoverished (laughs) nations. You know that's what Sony is like that that marketing executive who's getting heat now from Sony like being like hey it failed you're like no 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 everyone just was watching at the library that's that's why it oh, and what's they're gonna badmouth the public library doubt it yeah everyone it's career suicide all right well that'll do it for it's Morbin time um, unfortunately maybe we'll be back to talk more Morbius God the fact that they use that in their own campaign is. I don't know, maybe they thought they were in on the joke, too, but, like, it's too costly. No, I thought, I think they thought it was cute ironic. Like, I thought everyone's like, this is ha-ha fun. God. <laughs> you don't release a film if you think they're getting $85,000. Not, not, look, there's plenty of independent films that go to, you know, like, eight theaters across the country that get $85,000. Because I'll tell you this, even if you thought, if, if you they were aware that the hype was ironic, you know where the line gets drawn in the joke when people have to actually spend their money on it? Yeah. So if they thought people would go see the movie in jest, no one's buying a ticket as part of the gag, you know? <laughs> not not today. Not right. with, like, prices, gas prices. Like, you know, no. Read the room. Sorry. Yeah. My wallet is where I lose my sense of humor, <laughs> if you will. <clears throat> All right, the second part of our show is our protein shake, where we go around and talk about what is in our cup or what have we watched lately. Now, I've watched four movies, and then there's one show that we're both 
kind of keeping up with, but we don't want to give spoilers for it, so I don't think we'll talk too much about it. How many things have you seen since we last spoke? I have, I mean, four or five. All right, let's just go. We'll alternate. What's the first thing in your cup? Well, I talked about this a few weeks ago, and I have officially, as of yesterday, finished my rewatch of Lost. Oh, wow. And uh, it it takes a while. Lost is not an easy-to-watch show in terms of just, like, passing by, but it's easier when you work at home and and put a show you've seen plenty of times in the background while you work. Is this on Hulu? I think It is on Amazon. So it's on Amazon Prime, but technically through it, then it like takes it to a sister network called Freevee. Oh yeah, that's like was IMDb TV. Okay, so what I don't mind about Freevee is that they do have commercials because it's free, but they're like twenty seconds long. And when you're watching a, I mean, every Lost episode is like forty-five minutes. Um, you get three commercial breaks. Sometimes some of the episodes only have one. Some of them none. At most, you're getting three or four, and they're all like 20 seconds long. So, not a bad app. That's my first experience. Yeah, because Hulu's them. Hulu's commercial breaks are like two minutes. No, like I can't do Hulu, man. I, it drives me crazy. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Because um, I think we've recently talked to some shows on there, and I just it's just terrible. And they crank up the volume on their commercials so much. Dude. It's like, oh my god. And my wife's always like, "Why did you turn it up?" I'm like, "I didn't." <laughs> you think I turned it up just for the commercial? <laughs> I've seen this ad. Because they do the same ad for HelloFresh every single time. I don't need to hear this. Um, So watch it on technically on Amazon. uh, And like I said, it sent you to a sister network. Um, You know, I think I said last time the first three seasons of Lost, uh, three seasons of Lost are some of the best TV ever out there. And then we turned into I think we see a show that has such an audience and such. a buildup of questions and mystery that kind of doesn't know where to go. And what they keep, what they start doing is they dig a little deeper and they ask more questions. And then you now through season four, instead of getting answers, we get more questions. Yeah. And you start, you start getting, and then you invent, uh, you, you invite more science, sci-fi and time travel and things of that nature. Now I'm not dissing seasons four and five and six, and actually, I am a massive apologetic for the finale. It's a controversial ending, um, I think, to a lot. I think a lot of people didn't understand the ending because it's easy to simplify. I think the way Lost ends is beautiful. I, I think the actual like finale, the build up to what they're doing, um, the flash sideways, if you want to call it that, um, I don't know what else they could have done, but I will say it was such a fun time revisiting this show. Whether you find the ending controversial, whether you find the show to be as good as it people claim, this show is all about the journey, and it's about one of the best ensemble casts you'll ever get. It's on par with Game of Thrones in an ensemble cast. Yeah, the cast is. I mean, and it was pretty much the start for a lot of those actors. Yeah, it's it's not. It and it asks questions early on in the early two thousands on a sitcom that nowadays we get, you know, on Netflix and HBO, um, and where you can, you know, watch without commercials and you can get rated R and nudity and cuss words and whatever. They did this on a on ABC in two thousand four, I believe, 
And to me, I will always have a deep place in my heart for this show. And I will still say, if you are a fan of well-written drama TV and you think Lost has maybe been overrated, you've heard some things, you see like maybe it feels like a lot to start, Lost deserves your attention. And I'm not telling you you're going to be happy about the ending, but it the journey is worth it. You know, I've actually never seen Lost, and my I'm a teacher, and my summer break officially started today. So this and Stranger Things might be two shows that I can knock out in the next couple weeks by just going insane and binging. And, and Stranger Things I'll get into a little later. But this show, Lost will have, I know Lost will have your attention. Stranger Things will too, for sure. But Lost has that intrigue and mystery that is so worth it. Um, are these uh, hour-long episodes? Yeah. So if you take there, I mean, because it was sitcom TV, they're they're always consistently 41, 42 minutes. Okay. If you don't have commercials, and like I said, Freebie seems to have really short commercials, so I didn't mind watching it through that. But Lost to be watched by. I mean, <clears throat> there's a reason Lost got the reputation it did. Yeah. Again, it's it's kind of unfortunate. I I hope that as time goes on, you know, Game of Thrones gets. Uh, viewed in a different light because really if the show is great but then people just don't like the ending like I know that's the the lasting taste in your mouth but it really shouldn't ruin the experience of all those strong it's same thing with like Dexter you know like yeah. it's unfortunate that it like lost by a lot of people's remembered as like oh man lost fucking sucked like I don't know man it changed television no it like, didn't yeah exactly you know it's a good for me and you this is a good analogy how I met your mother did we mm-hmm. love the ending, at least when it came out? Was it controversial? Did it leave a, maybe a little bit of a bad taste in our mouth? But it didn't take away what the journey was. And now we've revisited it twice. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, And it, we've come to appreciate it. Lost was that for me. Lost is like the drama of How I Met Your Mother's sitcom. It's also really hard to end a show that runs for a long time. Like, it's really, really hard. If you look at the examples of shows that have done it well, they're kind of few and far between. People don't even like the Friends finale. Like, it's not as polarizing as... People don't like Sopranos. Like, Yeah. The only one that's done it well consistently, like, by far is Breaking Bad. Like, I mean, Breaking Bad ended because they literally were said, hey, we have a show to tell. And AMC was begging them to keep it going. It was a number one show on TV. Everyone was saying the greatest show of all time. And they're saying, no, this this is ending. Yeah. And, and, and even that's that not a movie that people kind of didn't like after that. Yeah, that, exactly. That was something like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, that's a, that is the exception that meets the rule. Like, right. Like it, it, it's not that. So lost, I think profited off it's, you know, mystery and, and intrigue and they kept it going and they were victims to their own success. But man, it is the journey fun. And like I said, rewatching it again, I wanted to. I was sad when it ended because I was losing that journey again. I mean, what's the the quote from The Dark Knight? It's like you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself yes. become a villain. You know? Yeah. And and to say this right now, really quickly, Ted Lasso just announced they're ending it at three. I think they're going to break that approach. Great idea, I think. Yeah, they're saying no, no. They're the top show right now, and they're saying nope. Go out we're on gonna. Top. They yeah. had a three season arc the whole time and Apple is begging them to keep going and they're, they stuck with it. So respect. Good for them. 
All right. I watched a movie on, I think it's on Netflix. It was called Welcome to Sudden Death. And this is actually a 2020 remake of the 1995 film Sudden Death with Jean-Claude Van Damme that we've done a movie commentary on. And Cycle, this is that movie that I infamously sent you guys a Snapchat video of where Jean-Claude Van Damme is uh, engaging in kung fu with the Pittsburgh Penguins mascot. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, you had me at that, at that clip. So, so they remade this movie on a much, maybe not much lower budget, but on a very low budget um what's the word i'm looking for just a very low budget template back in 2020 the star of this film is michael jai white who most people will probably know as spawn and then he also plays gambit in the dark knight who is the one the person who says enough from the clout who he uh yeah right um so he's the main guy here this time, so th if you don't know the plot to the Jean-Claude Van Damme sudden death from 1995, Jean-Claude Van Damme is a security guard at the, I don't, can't remember the name of the arena in Pittsburgh, but the hockey arena where the Pittsburgh Penguins are playing in uh, the Stanley Cup finals. And the arena is taken over, unbeknownst to the fans and players, by terrorists. So throughout the film, Jean-Claude Van Damme... Which has, has happened to all of us, by the way. I mean, I think it happens once a week, probably. Yeah. We just don't hear about it on the news because it's so prevalent. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme has to basically fight his way through the bowels of the arena to try and save these people. And Welcome to Sudden Death, the remake from 2020, takes the same plot, plot premise, excuse me, but puts it at a basketball game. So now these are cyber terrorists taking over. Uh, I believe it's the Phoenix... What's their name? The Is Phoenix. it Mercury? No. It's a made-up <laughs> name. I can't remember what the... Wait, you mean the Phoenix Mercury is Phoenix, a real name? The Phoenix, well, that's the WMB team. No, I know, I was... Duh. Thinking, yeah, duh. <laughs> uh, I, the Phoenix somethings. Um, and this movie is really, really bad. Even for the low bar I had for it. The thing that I really hated about this was... So I knew the plot was going to suck. I knew the acting was going to be bad. I knew all the attempts at humor were going to be horrible. And I knew like it was not going to be shot well or look pretty. But the one thing I thought I might get is some cool fight scenes. And, dude, the choreography in this is really shitty. There's one See, scene that's pretty good. But the rest, like, it's like the guys don't even sell that they're getting hit. And Michael Jai White seems like, he's like, all right, I'll be in this movie, but, like, I'm not moving. Like, everyone that fights me, they I'm just going to stand here and they have to, like, dive on the floor. Does he think he's Neo? Yeah, like, like Power Rangers, the TV show has better fight choreography than this. And that's the one thing I thought well, it I might mean, give me. You can't compare it to the greatest fight scenes of all time. I will say one of the best things about this, I love, love movies that are just way overly ambitious. This movie has a mid credit scene where it tries to set up a sequel. And I was just watching it like, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> But they're like, but Marvel's doing it, so we should. Basically. They're like, what's the difference? For that. Like, so the thing is, when you watch those kind of movies, you know what you're watching. Like, right? Like, it's not like anyone is surprised what they're, what they're seeing. But you at least are owed good fight scenes. Yeah, I agree. Like, if uh, you're watching Sharknado, you're not like, what, this movie sucks? The hell? No, you not, want, but you're, you're watching it for the sharks doing shit. Right. That's, what, that's why you got me in the theater. It's like when when uh, people criticize like the new Godzilla movies, like you know the humans in it suck. I'm like, so you went to this movie for the human plots points? Yeah. Wait, wait, what? 
I don't think like when my wife said Men in Black Three wasn't realistic, and I'm like, um, watching Men in Black Three. <laughs> yeah, the first. Granted, she was did drink two bottles of wine, but still, she's like, "Am I wrong? Am I wrong?" <laughs> um, so that's my biggest issue with Welcome to Sudden Death. Although I did give it, I think I give it one and a half stars, and I said it it bumped up from one star to one and a half stars because. The way one of the villains dies at the very end of it is just absolutely incredible. He gets thrown off of a high rise, and then somehow, inexplicably, a missile also hits him. God, I hate when that happens. I know. It's almost too cliche. Has he, have you ever been drunk, and you're like, I have to puke and throw up and, and, and poop at the same time? Yeah, it's the it's worst. Like, it's like that. It's exactly like that. <laughs> So welcome to Sudden Death on Netflix. Don't anyone watch it. But one and a half stars, I mean. Yeah, my letterbox review, I was, uh, like I said, I was, it could have gotten a two, maybe two and a half, nah, probably not two and a half. Could have gotten a two star rating if it just had good fighting sequences, but it doesn't. Because yeah. you're getting what you asked for. Right. What, all, what else have you seen? Um. All right. Really briefly, I'll touch on this. Um. The Circle finished it. Mm. Um, talked about it a couple weeks ago. This First season reality. three or four? Season four. American version, at least. There there are other countries that have their own versions. Sure. Um, I'm just going to... I won't spend much time on this because n- not too much changes in a show like The Circle, reality based. Um, I, last time I said that the show has gotten almost too big for itself where it has its applicants being semi-influencers. And what made the circle really good was seeing just random ass people, um, you know, and not just random people, but like random age groups, seeing people in their 50s and 60s, seeing teenagers um, having to interact with each other in this isolated complex. But the, the newest season, I think it was hard for me to have to root for someone. I'll say we did finish it, um, did see the ending without spoiling. At the end, I was happy for the person who won. They did. I feel like we're the most genuine and did deserve it. The person I was rooting for didn't even make the top five, which was surprising to me. That was a cool twist. Um, I, I will. It, so it was hard. I was still enjoyed the show. Um, I, I'm really interested to see if they do another season, which why wouldn't they? It's Netflix and reality TV is the cheapest to make. Yeah. If they're going to continue on this route, like, Go back to what, to me, made them good. If you're just going to get the same people who are on Instagram already and having, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, you could tell a difference. When these people know, like, what what I love about the show is when you're isolated in the bedroom for three weeks at a time, they're not acting for a camera. They're yeah. being just who they are. Now you have influencers. You can't, you can't help it. Now you have influencers who know that every second is being recorded of their life. So they are acting and they're being a part. They're they're doing a role the entire time. And so for me, it just took away from my enjoyment um, of what makes The Circle, to me, is one of my favorite uh, reality TV shows. So I still enjoyed it. It just did not have... It's my least favorite season, mainly because I didn't have someone to root for. Um, but I still say, if you're intrigued, it's a, it's a good show to watch. I would absolutely go back to the beginning. But I hope they kind of revert back to doing an every man, every woman type cast next time. Yeah, you're... Uh, is this a show Brian watches with you? Yes. Uh-huh. And, and Banner and his wife were 
hang out with me and my wife last week and they were waiting for the whole thing to be complete before they started. So oh, they should okay. be starting it soon. That's a good idea. Yeah. And this just falls into that category. We always say like, we all need a trash reality show that we watch. Just absolutely. You have to have something that you don't have to think about that you throw on and makes you feel smart. It, it makes is- you feel better about yourself watching other people like this. Absolutely. You're like, man, my boss yelled at me today, but l- this guy's <laughs> life is really a fucking mess. Yeah. It's not so bad being me. <laughs> um, all right. I watched the Michael Bay movie Ambulance, which is now on Peacock. Um, one I was thinking about going to see in theaters just because Michael Bay, you know, say what you want about him, but visually he usually <laughs> brings something fun to the table. Uh, I have a nice... Um, like projector setup. Nate Thurman bought me an awesome like sound bar and subwoofers. And the wife and I were like, all right, this Jake Gyllenhaal, Yaya Abdul-Mateen ambulance. Let's just throw this on the best setup we have. And I got to tell you, I told you guys this in the group chat. I was blown away by how much I wow. love this movie. Maybe the best Michael Bay film ever. I think his best since bad boys too. I think it's better than the first transformers. I think it's better than pain and gain. I'd put it up there with, like, The Rock. Wow. Wow. Okay, can I ask this? I don't want any spoilers because I do fully intend on watching it. Is it that there's not as much, like, nonstop action? Is there actual development in this? Is that what makes it kind of feel, like, over Michael Bay? It's So it's two things. First off, Jake Gyllenhaal is, like, not mailing it in at all. He's going for it, and his character is really interesting. And actually, I'm a big fan of his. So. Has some depth and complexity to it. But I think the best part is the action in this movie, without spoiling what's happening, it drives the tension in this film. And there is a plot point that is very interesting that involves the action that keeps you engaged. Okay. Like to see if something is going to happen the entire time. And it takes a few breaths in the middle of it. And also, like especially as far as a Michael Bay film goes, there is, off the top of my head, maybe one small scene where you're like, Okay, that's a little ridiculous. But aside from that, man, it all seems pretty practical. Was it Autobot testicles again? No, because I'm used to that. We've seen okay. this before. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, well, who's for the fuck? He's that? like M. Night Shyamalan. He has again one scene with robot testicles in there. That's, on my, that's the quota that I demand from Paramount <laughs> every time. Um, but it's it really surprised me. And like the character stuff, actually, I thought works pretty well. So I'm I was excited to watch it. Yeah, I was blown away. Ambulance. Cannot recommend it enough. And if you were, again, thinking that Michael Bay is just pumping out the same thing over and over. I mean, yeah, this has a he falls into a few of his visual pitfalls, like the scene where two characters are talking and, you know, there's a little bit of tension. And he just for some reason is fucking rotating the camera around them. It's like, why? why? <laughs> I, I think they had me at like, um, like, again, Jake Gyllenhaal, who I will, you know, who I love, honestly, like, I mean, I feel like since he was young, some of his 90s movies, I've always followed him throughout his career. I think he's done a great job. I think that that had me in, intrigued enough. If I didn't have Michael Bay as the director, I would have been yeah. like, okay, that helps. So knowing that he was in it, who's a good character actor, makes me feel better about it. Well, and that's very fair. I think Michael Bay is at the point now where unless you hear from someone that you trust or unless like you again, he has to prove why you should go see the movie at this point. Cause we have a large enough sample size of what his films are that I can yeah. understand the hesitation, but uh, this is not as stupid as a lot of his other shit. And it's just, I don't know. It, I was blown away. 
I think I nominated it for um, the on the Broskers, the Nerdy Chicken High School, who got Hot Award for the film that surprised <laughs> us and was good this year. I like. I think this is for award. Yeah. All right. I got two more things, but what else have you seen? Um, so I'll, I'll mention this briefly because you haven't watched it and you say you're planning on it. Uh, Stranger Things season four, at least season four, part one, um, has come out. I am two and a half episodes in to, I think at least six episodes out right now. Um, I've heard these are long, like each one. Oh my movie. Yeah. That's why I'm only two and a half episodes in is, you know, I was finishing lost. Um, so that had part of it. And then. Yeah, I think the first two episodes are both almost an hour and a half. So you're watching watching little, you know, movies. Stranger yeah, Things. Even if you love something, that's just tough. And and Stranger Things is, I'm excited for you to watch this. I mean, Stranger Things is everything we loved in, like, I mean, obviously it's playing to 80s movies. But, like, um, just childhood mystery, being a kid again like having your friends around and just doing you know like just being a kid and there's something about like those kid actors what makes stranger things so good is these kid actors are so good yeah. like they are buying into their roles they are they, they they made me think of like watching the goonies right like watching those old classics um so i won't go too into the story even in from season one since you haven't seen it but what i will say is They've taken a little bit of a turn um, in season four and in a very dark way and not in the way I like hating. I just don't know where they're going with it. Um, it definitely has an element of there's always been a, a little bit of horror, um, you know, monster horror in Stranger Things, but it's still been inherently like, you know, happening to teenagers. So it's not like that bad. There is some dark like I like I straight up looked at my wife watching one of the episodes the other day. I'm like, I feel like I'm watching like a slasher film. <laughs> like I, I feel like I'm watching something like straight out, like meant to scare me. Um, so I, that's all I'll say about that. I'm very intrigued in where it's going. I don't know where it's going, which is kind of fun. It's not predictable. Uh, but Stranger Things, I we've missed it. It's taken about three years to get. <laughs> this next season so um you know yeah they had like a bunch of was it covid delays or they just wanted to kick the can down the road to covid delays from the most yeah yeah for the most part so when does the second part releases in july right yeah and then we have one more season ends with season five oh okay for some reason i thought this was the last one uh but you i i honestly like i don't know what you're going to enjoy more lost or strangers things i think they both are very while similar different um, they're both, you know, good ensemble cast with a lot of mystery, both great character development, uh, both with great depth. Um, but again, Stranger Things, we haven't seen the end yet, so it's it's a little nicer to judge. Everyone that I've talked to, you included, says that Stranger Things is kind of like right down my alley. It is. In terms of the nostalgia and like the genre stuff, so definitely on my list. I watched uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, the movie on Disney+. Brag much? Yeah. I want a lot of credit for this. Now, I am a huge Rescue Rangers fan from when I was a kid. I think the theme song is one of the greatest banger theme songs of all time. And I'm an Andy Samberg fan, so when I saw that he wrote the script and voiced um, Chip in this movie, I was very excited. And... Cycling, I have to say, the meta element to this, I think, is right down your alley. And 
it's made for kids in our generation where it's sort of disguised as a kids movie, but it has that Shrek uh, tactful way of introducing a lot of adult humor. And the amount of character cameos in this are insane. Like there's actually a character who's like a main plot point in it. I don't know how Disney got the rights to all this, but do you remember the Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie when the Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie where the initial trailer came out and fans hated the design yes. of Sonic. And they re- they had to redo it. Okay, so Ugly Sonic, the first design that they axed from the film, he's a character in this movie. And he talks about how like what? his career was derailed after the trailer came Dude, out. Dude, this is so us. Are you kidding? It's hilarious. And they keep zooming in on his teeth because that's what people said was so <laughs> weird about him. So his character in the movie, he's like trying that's to get amazing. like a reality show or something to like revitalize his career. <laughs> That's so incredible. Yeah, it's Ugly Sonic. But this movie's hilarious. I didn't quite see. There's a little twist in it uh, in the third act that I didn't quite see coming personally. It gives you all the nostalgia of being a 90s kid and watching the Disney Channel and all these animated shows. And if there's a character you like from a Disney movie, they're probably in this film. Slight Holy spoiler, shit. skip ahead 30 seconds. But, for example, Bigfoot from a Goofy movie shows up in dude who is maybe the best character in that film 100 <laughs> percent. when he starts dancing to staying alive by the beach oh my god nothing is better than that yeah so he's in the movie briefly but there's a ton of character cameos in it a lot of uh, voices you would recognize john mulaney is the voice of dale eric banna is um uh <laughs> monty <Banna> yeah <laughs> they're <laughs> One of the rescue rangers who uh, his career has fallen on hard times and he's addicted to cheese. So Eric Banner, that's probably actually very easy for him. Yeah, probably. Except I don't know about the cheese addiction. If he actually... Well, hey, I'm sure it's just code for something else. <laughs> just dealing with that. Um, highly recommend. I think I gave it a four and a half out of five on Letterboxd. And I nominated it for the Are You Kidding Me Award, which is movie made for kids, but we fucking loved it. I'm excited about this. Make sure you definitely love it. It's pretty sure no, I'm our 20. I will probably watch it this weekend. Yeah. Let me know your thoughts. All right. What else you got? I only have one more thing. Um, I'm assuming the the big one. Is that next for you or no? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I forgot about that. So I will. I'll do a watch Our Father on Netflix. Have you seen this? It's a it's a documentary. Um, this keeps about, popping up. Yeah, it's it's pretty fucked up. I mean, not like in a series or a or one off. It's just a one off. Um, basically, it's a constant. The go in for early nineties, I think, artificial. you know, like how they go to the doc and helps them get pregnant. All these women get pregnant, and you don't really think anything of it until the modern times of the world where some of these women, you know, maybe didn't know who the sperm donor was, right? Mm-hmm. So these children get on, like, Ancestry.com or 23andMe and things like that. And so it starts with one person who's like, oh, you know, I'm going to look up my DNA. I wonder if I have any siblings out there. I'm kind of adopted. I'm just curious. And then it starts with, like, another character, another character, another character. Turns out they all share the same dad. Okay, well, that's interesting. Okay, well, you know, technically speaking, someone's just donating sperm and maybe How many they're just finding each other. At this point? Uh, well, 
I mean, it's start, so the, the interesting thing about the documentary, it starts with like one kid and it's like kid number three and like then you're up to eight and you're up to 13. And then here's the problem. What happens is at first, like I, they, I, it basically you're watching and you're asking yourself a question you're like, oh, OK, you know, like, yeah, it's kind of fucked up that the sperm donor, whoever he is, is like, you know, donating his sperm. And then you're like, wait a second. Then you find out it was the infer- it was the doctor's sperm. Oh, my God. And so you're like. Oh, why would he want to do that? Yeah. So then you're like, um, okay, so the doctor is inseminating them with his sperm. And then you're like, then you have to ask yourself, you know, like a a question like, well, they're they're just the one to get pregnant. Right. Like, so theoretically, what's the problem as long as they're getting pregnant? And then you're like, okay, well, maybe maybe we're going to get to that in a second. And then a few minutes go by in the film. You find out that most of the women were being told they were being inseminated by their husband's sperm. Oh, shit. And turned out that the doctor lied to them and used his own sperm. And all of a sudden you have people who think they know their dad. Oh, my. Found out their dad, their dad they grew up with for 20, 30 years was not their actual biological dad. I'm not talking about. The crazy thing is they would ever find this out because if you grew up with that being your understanding, like what would even prompt you to dude? Well, like, I mean, I've, I've done a 23 and me, like, you know, I have, you know, I, I've done one. I know my parents, it had nothing to do with my family. It had to do with the fact that like, I was curious about like, you know, were there other people like now I had a special situation. I, I come from a family of genocide victims. So I was curious, like, had we lost family members? You know, right. maybe we there was a disconnect. But you know, everyone has their own reasons for doing these kind of things. And and so what was crazy is then you're dealing with like, imagine everything you've ever thought you knew. Your dad isn't your dad. And so all of a sudden now you have like 20, 30 people, 50 people, 60 people. Like oh my a, God. dude, like it was like I think the final number at least I and here's the thing, you have to understand the amount of people is only dictated from the people who have actually done DNA tests. Yeah. So think about how many people haven't done DNA tests. I think they got up to like about 80 in this documentary. And what's crazy is the laws. I mean, I mean, it's a documentary, so I'm not giving anything away because it's inherently public, but the guy gets away with it because there's no laws against what he did. Like these women are on like screen crying, being like, you know, they felt violated by him putting his sperm when they were told that, like, it was someone else's or their husband's. The, the, the most heartbreaking thing was watching these children being like, my dad isn't my dad. Yeah, and that's so, absolutely devastating. And they hate their biological father. And there was, like, one girl who almost runs, like, the 23andMe. Like, every time they get a match, she has to be the one to tell the people that, like, hey, so you're in it. Like, here's who your who your real father is. Like, take a second to go outside. There's a whole story here. Like, it keeps happening. So that was called Our Father. So she probably has, like, a script down at this point. Dude, yes. But it's, like, it's like she's, like, she's the one who, like, found this out originally. And it's just, like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, so Our Father on Netflix. I think it's, like, an hour and a half. But it's it's pretty fucked up. There are some, like, funny moments in terms of, like, ha-ha, this is awkward funny. Um, but it's a, it's a quick, so it's not happening to me. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I think one, one person talked about like the forceful erection and powerful ejaculation. And I was like, that's a one way to describe it. You that's know, a bad. Vivid. 
Yeah. Write children's books. That yeah. Is. So uh, our father on Netflix. It's it is uh, it's crazy. Whatever Netflix algorithm tells it about me, it thinks I would like this because it keeps popping up in my like recommended. Yeah. Maybe you should get a DNA test. Maybe that's what it's trying to tell me to push me towards. Um, all right, last movie I watched, and then we should have show briefly, but we won't spoil too much of it. Firestarter, also on Peacock. Don't know if you've seen this one. I think this was briefly in theaters, but it was also, I think, a Peacock, like a day and date release this year. Uh, it stars Zac Efron. It was pitched as a like horror sci-fi. And I guess this is also a remake, but it's about a young girl who starts to realize she has the ability to set things on fire with her mind. Oh, okay. And I originally, what got me in the door, you know, Efron has had a very interesting career to me. Um, and so the choices he's, he's making, especially like the last decade or so, uh, they're not always hits, but definitely something that has always sort of piqued my interest. I thought it was more of a horror movie than it actually is. And I have not seen the original or even really read about it. I just know that it exists. But this is more of like, if you've seen the movie Chronicle with Dane DeHaan, it's more of like a gritty, like, superhero movie, I guess. Lower budget superhero movie. Um, Kurtwood Smith is Smith is also in it. He plays Red Foreman in that 70s show. Nice. He has a kind of a small but important role. And... Uh, it wasn't that great. I mean, I think some of the issues that I had with it were um, the most, like, where it starts in the narrative, and I put this in my letterbox review, it starts, like, kind of halfway through this story, and the things that it alludes to that have happened, like, prior to the film, I was like, dude, that's the movie I want to see. Like, that's way more interesting to me than what you're telling us and what you're showing us. Um, but it doesn't pull any punches, and... It's pretty gritty in some moments, but uh, it was just, I don't know, it didn't quite feel original enough. And I felt like it felt like it had to play into the some of the tropes of a superhero movie, kind of, or at least you know, some of the things that that genre entails, when I wish it would have just gone straight horror. And I will say this, Cycle, if you do ever end up watching it, the score is pretty fucking awesome. Like, okay. it's like... Uh, Sort of like John Carpenter's Halloween score. And I actually think John Carpenter might have done the score for it. But it's like got like this like visceral kind of like satanic theme to it. Okay. So the score slapped, but then what I was seeing on screen did not match the horror that was painted with the music. Would you say like, is it one of these, like, would, I, would it be worth watching if I had nothing else to like, you know? Yeah, I think so. It's not like boring uh, and it's short. Okay. There are some yeah. cool visuals in it. I mean, it's just, I think I gave it a two and a half on Letterboxd. It's just, uh, I don't know, man. I, I was really wanting, like, some dark horror. And it was it kind of veers into, like, it becomes like Chronicle, where it's, like, super gritty, sort of a superhero take. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's kind of how I felt about um, Dr. Um, oh, my gosh. Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is about an hour shorter than Doctor Sleep, I think. I think this was like an hour 20 and then some Yeah, credits. which is a little easier to swallow. Yeah. Um, but I will say that uh, if you get into it, or like if you do give it a chance, like let me know what you think about. There's like some exposition and like some flashbacks to things, and I'm like, dude, that's the movie I want to see. 
make I don't I'm not asking for a prequel. I'm just saying they should have made that the film instead of where the story yeah. picks up. I'm intrigued enough. Like I, I have enough time to kill. And Peacock uh again, I don't know if it was a Dane Date original, but this was kind of they were like when this came out, they were pumping it up pretty pretty hard with the marketing. Again, whatever their algorithm tells them, they thought I would like it. I mean, there's not that much original on there, so. Yeah, I guess that's true. That and Marry Me, starring Jennifer Lopez. Of course, which you are a big defender of. I actually did kind of like it. I know. (laughs) I'm not calling you out. Uh, I mean, I'll watch anything Owen Wilson's in. He'd be in a fucking Crest commercial. I'd watch it. (laughs) All right, last thing. Uh, As this episode drops, we're a week behind. But the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus, episode four, just released today as we are recording. Cycling and I are both caught up. And we're going to do a full, when the whole series is done, we'll we'll bring all the bros on that have seen it. And we'll just do our, for our chest day, like our, a recap of the series, basically, and a review. But I guess, Cycle, we'll try to go non-spoilers just in case someone out there wants to binge it when it's all through. But four episodes into Obi-Wan Kenobi, because I don't think we got to have you on last week to get your thoughts. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking about this series? Obviously, this is... We are big prequel... I won't say maybe defenders, but apologists on Definitely here. Definitely apologists. Yeah. They have a soft spot in our heart. So We know what they are, but we still love them. Yes, exactly. So to have Ewan McGregor returning, Hayden Christensen returning, this is something we've been so pumped up for for a while how is it meeting your expectations thus far now that we're i guess we only have two episodes left which is crazy yeah and yeah when people listen is, to this probably just one yeah which is i mean yeah we're getting six episodes right and I, um yeah. it's one of those things where i feel like i'm like i want more and don't overdo it right like damn if you do damn if you don't i'm i'm this is where we have to really put our fandom aside and I see what people are saying online, the good and the bad. And I feel I feel both. But at the end of the day, I'm having fun. I have fun looking forward to this. I have fun while I'm watching. And there are things that definitely aren't hitting with me. There are things where uh, there are moments where I'm kind of feeling a little like not it. Maybe some of the acting isn't as you know, fulfilling as I would hope it would be, or maybe it's the script writing. Um, but what are we here for guys? Like what is star Wars inherently It's to have fun. Like we, we are star Wars fans are the worst fans. And, and, and I, and this is really like, I didn't notice this until probably about five years ago. And, and I, you know what, we're probably guilty of it because I am a sequel hater, right? Like I defend the prequels knowing what they are. And I hate on the sequels knowing what they are, right? Like, I can understand someone being in the exact opposite reaction. Because, like, you know, you can talk about retconning. You can talk about the script. You can talk about the acting, right? Like, they all have their flaws. What what are what are we here to do, though, right? Like, we're here to just be entertained. And, my God, give me, give me Kenobi and Darth Vader slash Anakin all day. Yeah, dude. Like, just give me that, man. I'm, I'm happy. You can fan service. Like... Now, again, I talk shit about the fan service in the, in the Rise of Skywalker. I know I'm as, you know, you can call me out on my bullshit. I get it. But that is what Star Wars is, right? Like, we get to be choosy when we want to be. Um, so I'm having fun. I know it's hard to talk about without spoiling. Um, I, I do like that we're getting Leia-focused. It makes sense. Like, you couldn't have a Luke-focused 
um, script unless you completely retcon everything. Which I have to say, I did not even think for a minute that that was like an uh, option for this series to go before Same. it started. Same. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you you had to get him off Tatooine. Right. So even if it wasn't Leia, like, even though it's something probably we never talked about, like, there would be a reason if they knew he was on Tatooine, like that, that, that messes up a new hope completely. So makes sense getting him off there. makes sense getting him with Leia. Um, and yeah, just have fun watching this man. Like complain about the acting, complain about the script. Fine. But like, just enjoy it. Yeah. Maybe I'm being too forgiving or kind of have star Wars goggles on, but I have, I don't think I have a nitpick about this show through four episodes like i don't think you're better any... than me i will admit i have plenty of nitpicks to get uh, when we talk spo- spoilers but i'm still yeah. enjoying it um it's just great to see you and mcgregor back in this role it i think everything with his character the way he's acting so people are like well that's not obi-wan i'm like yeah but if you think about what his character's been up to since we last saw him yeah. like that's how he would fucking act um and again this st- i can never get enough of the empire same i, I don't know what it is like no matter what, if they're a focus of the show or if you're showing me things with them that I like that I haven't seen before, I'm always game for it. And I think each episode has progressively gotten more into that. Like this isn't a spoiler because they're in the trailers, but like the Inquisitors are a pretty big focal point of the show. I know we had, we've seen them in some shows and comics, and, but, and some video games too. Right, but the first time that I believe in live action, we've seen them. I think they're in Rebels, maybe a little bit. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm I know that maybe that's where some of the acting issues people have, but the concept of them and their motivations and stuff, I totally buy. And I guess my one complaint and this eh, maybe that's a spoiler, um, but it's hard to believe that we only have two episodes of this left. And actually, as you're listening to this one and I think there's already a lot of a push for season two. The only issue with this and I hate to be like the stickler for canon, but like we are running out of runway here. Right. The fact that they started this right in the middle. Yeah. 10 years. So 19 years between Sith and and the New Hope. Yeah. It's getting tough to sort of uh, bridge that gap. There's been people on the internet who are like, uh, damn, that's a tough 10 years if he goes from looking like this to Alec Guinness in a New Hope. But I I think I'm one of those. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe because of, maybe he starts vaping. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, cigarettes. <laughs> no, he just he just skips the vape. Go straight. No, he just goes straight to death sticks. Oh God, you don't want to buy some death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. <laughs> yeah, I, God, there's so much I want to say, and we'll get we'll definitely get into it in two weeks. But um, that's the thing, man. Like I I do I'm not as bad as you. Like I wish I was, but I definitely have plenty of complaints. And to the people who are feeling that, like just just enjoy like i mean what are we doing anymore to not just enjoy things yeah like we don't have to we can we can just let off our brains for an hour like we don't have to overthink things we don't have to get picky if we don't need to i guess with star wars fans and this is the last thing i'll say because i don't want to harp on this too much but it's gotten to the point with me where i'm like i don't know if these people i think more than they like star wars they like being angry like, I think that trumps their yeah. love of Star Wars at all, because and, the, the community that I'm trying to put myself in are the people that just want to talk about the galaxy far, far away, not the ones that want to bitch about everything. And when did it happen? Maybe this is a topic for an episode one day. Yeah. Like, you know, like when 
when did it happen? Was it the original trilogy? Was it the prequels, prequels that started it? Well, if the prequels were released now, I can't even imagine what the internet would say. God. Like, can you imagine oh, what no. the reaction to Jar Jar Binks would be on? It might have killed the franchise. For real. Yeah. Like, the, the, the 97 Phantom Menace, was it? No, no, 99 Phantom Menace was came out at the perfect time for it because the internet was just still a baby but star wars was such a like phenomenon built up that it didn't have to it didn't if in jar jar still hit it hard like people still panned it yeah but it still survived it you're right i think you're you're i mean i think if this happened 20 years later like jake lloyd look how i mean his life got ruined anyway what if he yeah exactly star wars when the internet era was here that's the thing that's the thing. It's not like Star Wars, like the prequels avoided it. They just were, they just, it could have been so much worse. What would the mouth breathers have said about God? Jake Lloyd's. Oh my God. They, they mentioned mouth breathers on Stranger Things. I meant to tell you that earlier. Good. So oh, your show. In, even in the 80s, I didn't know that the mouth breathers were. I guess moms <laughs> have had basements for, you know, millennia. Uh, all right. Anything else? That's all I got. No, no, just enjoying Kenobi. I'm, I, I'm going to be sad in two weeks. I know it's wild with the. I, 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 mean, don't, I, I don't think we need more of it in the sense that like it's you appreciate it because it's so short, but it has fucking flown. Can I say the yeah, the, the pros and cons of the internet, like the Morbius thing, and Kenobi, you can argue stem from the internet. Oh, 100 percent. Not even a debate. All right, the last part of our show is our Do You Even Lift Bruh segment. And uh, currently, this is typically our question and answer segment where we ask a question that we discuss and leave you guys with it at home. Right now, we are in the process of counting down each of the bros' top 100 movie lists of all time. So if you look at the description of this podcast, you'll see a link to the updated uh, Google Sheet that has each of the bros' top 100 movie lists as we count them down. It's also at the top of our website, bro4squad.com. And Cycli, before we dive into this, I'm actually just going to let you do a couple of yours today because I'm a bit ahead of everyone. But we say this every episode, but for any new listeners who might have, or even people that just need a refresher, how would you describe these top 100 movie lists? Because, you know, AFI does one of these like every decade or so. IMDb has a top 100 movies list. Ours is a little bit different, though, I would say. Yeah, we're not we're not looking for it from the critical approach, right? I mean, like, there is part of that, obviously, and, and to each their own, but it is uniquely your individual top 100, and it can be because you find the film artistically pleasing and beautifully written and directed, but it could be because you watched it at a special time in your life. It could be because it was your favorite childhood film. It could be because you were drunk and found it fucking hilarious, right? Like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. This is your top 100. And while we'll defend it, there's nothing to defend. Like, this is up to you. So yes, um, I always tell people, I encourage everyone to do their own top 100. Um, I've mentioned this before. Some of my sisters and my cousins have done this now. Um, it is just really fun and hard to do. Yeah. Because... There's so many movies you've seen in your life that have made an impact on you. And and it's just it's just a cool it's a cool uh, trick. So you should do it. And my mom did it as well. She said it was a fun exercise. It takes you down that memory lane because as long as the film has importance to you, it belongs on your list. 
And to what Cycli just said, like just a microcosm here, let me just pick. So, and again, you can see this on the spreadsheet that we shared with you, but the our number 83 movie of all time for each of the bros, Matt Geiger has Scarface. Ronnie Cycli's was Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Uh, Nate Thurman's is Back to the Future. Brian Banner's is the 2017 Murder on the Orient Express. And my number 83 movie of all time is the Matthew McConaughey Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. So and I know everyone's sitting there going, Phantom Menace 83, how is that not number one? Exactly. They're like, well, the list is already just fucked up. So we go from Scarface to Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, but we can justify it because it's what they mean to us at that particular spot. Which I love because there's no other place you'd have that discussion. Dude, actually, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past was one that was a climber, like a late... It was like if the NCAA tournament was like making their field, they're like, these guys weren't even in the bracket a few weeks ago, now they're in at-large. Um, Who loves that, Cinderella story? Of course. Now, Cycli, we didn't talk off-pod to prepare. Uh, I have you up to your number 70, like you're about to present your number 70. Okay. Movie of all time. Would you mind doing 70, 69, and 68? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Just to get all you... All by cut. myself? Yeah, I'm already up to 68, and uh, I'll recap the other bros once for each of these numbers. But for a little bit of context, your number 71 film of all time was yes. Inception, the Christopher Nolan classic. And then for number 70, I had the 2018 version of A Star is Born, starring and directed by Bradley Cooper. So what is your number 70 to join us there? Yeah, so my uh, number 70 is the definition of love the artist uh, sorry love the art hate the artist wouldn't make sense to say love the artist hate the art um it is apocalypto mel gibson's apocalypto and so let me just say this first this movie came out right around the heyday of the shit charm that mel gibson had been going through and that's obviously not going through it's his own fault but his mm-hmm. duis his blatant racism and just sexism and and just go down the line right like i mean mel gibson is not someone i'm here to defend by any means but what i will say is just like michael jackson or someone else that like fuck man the guy puts out movies um and so i'm not here to talk about mel gibson i'm here to talk about apocalypto and again, I think I have another Mel Gibson, probably top 10 in my film, because you just. Yeah, you I know. Here to, yeah, you know what it is. Um, it's just you have to appreciate the art and Apocalypto. I will personally say if Mel Gibson hadn't caused and done what he did, I don't not only think this movie would have been nominated for multiple Oscars, I think it, it would have won multiple oscars if not best movie and we'd be talking about it more um i think the movie doesn't get talked about enough because it came out right at that time and it was awkward so people felt uncomfortable seeing it people felt uncomfortable talking about it because it's like oh you like mel gibson you're going to support mel gibson this movie if you've never seen it um entirely filmed in the a dead language and in mayan or yucatan i think which is um, wild yeah it, he he literally found just native actors to film in this role um i mean i don't think any of them are famous. i mean maybe you please correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think anyone is like there's a known actor in this in this film and 
and the style is so raw the filming structure so obviously you have this like ancient language filmed with these ancient tribes and the story is so just ingraining and um deep and so you know the mystery of the mayans and 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 the lore they have in our modern society and you're seeing these structures that we've seen in history now um we see human sacrifice trials and uh, m- you know solar eclipses and how the mayans were so good at the art and the science of calendar and mm-hmm. how they were able to predict things um and you saw how they were able to manipulate the masses by their knowledge they they acted like the eclipses were godlike when they knew it was happening right so they would they would trick people and the film's ending and i i this i mean if you can call this a spoiler if you want the film is 20 years old not 20 but like maybe 16 years old the film ends with the sight of one of the mayans seeing european ships coming in and just the awe on his face the beginning of the end basically yeah and i always you know like if you love history i always think about what would that be like for the first person to see something they've never seen before like it'd be us seeing a ufo the film literally ends with him seeing these boats right like they don't even know what boats are and and the film kind of ends right there and it's just it asks the question that you're like you've always thought about in your curiosity and these raw actors and and the script it's just a beautiful film and i will always say this it would have won best movie if not been nominated for it if it hadn't been for mel gibson it's interesting to me like his interest it's interesting to me his interest but he has a a gravitation towards like these historical pieces that like other people have uh, either not touched or not gone after in the same way that he has. Um, and Apocalypto, I mean, to my knowledge, there's not enough, like what's another film about the Mayans? If there is one, nothing major like road to El Dorado. Like, <laughs> yeah, nothing I've seen. Not, there's right. not another, I will say this. There's not a film I've seen. That's like Apocalypto. Yeah. It's inherently unique. Honestly, like I feel like sometimes this should be really much higher. I mean, maybe his craziness is partly what enables him to have such brilliance as a director. But, th- yeah, I mean, Apocalypto is something that, like, there's n- not another movie out there like it that I can even think think of. Yeah, and, and just preface, just in case anyone's never seen this and you're intrigued by it. It's a typical Mel, Mel Gibson and, and not maybe even more extreme. There is gore. There mm-hmm. is there is rawness. There is it, it may be the most raw um violence because it, i mean it's authentic i would imagine compared to like you know braveheart and passion of the christ which is inherently gory um patriot and all these other time pieces that mel gibson has done apocalypto is bar none the most extense and pretty crazy too uh he, he does kind of have a penchant for um his movies being a little bit long but apocalypto Rated R, two hours, 18 minutes, and it grossed $120 million at the box office. That's pretty, in 2006. It's pretty impressive. And I, like I said, I th- I'm pretty sure that's when the Mel Gibson shit was going down. Yeah. So, like, imagine if it hadn't. Imagine if that went down when he made Passion of the Christ. What would it God. <laughs> <I'm still laughs> <not going>. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're down to your number 69, Giggity. 
movie of all time. Mine was Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, and Nate Thurman's was Jurassic Park. What wow, will join that's us? Surprisingly low for both of you. I yeah, I thought that too. When we both went, we were like, "Is this the top 10? Because I have Empire and you have Jurassic Park. But... Empire is my top Star Wars movie, without spoiling where it is. And uh, Jurassic Park is quite high too. So hmm. yeah. Um, when you see the one that I have above Empire next, you might it's be not surprised. Phantom Menace, I will be pissed. <laughs> um, I think it's already on my list. So this is funny. This goes back to our definition, right? Of like how this list works. I just went from Apocalypto, this fucking gory timepiece in Mayan culture, and I'm going now. I'm traveling all the way to France and going to Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> The animated the, one, right? Yes, the animated one. Yeah, absolutely. What year was that? Uh, Do you know? 91, 92? I don't know. I don't have the... Let's see. It, it is... 91. 91. Um, this, this film, I think, is the definition of when Disney was putting out just... Obviously, this is the classic Disney's. Um, and I have other Disney movies higher than this. But this is a classic just artistic animated film, right? Like it has the cliche, beautiful score. Like the songs are so good. Iconic. Iconic score. The the film opens with, in my opinion, maybe the best animated Disney opening. The music is so haunting in that fairy tale scene where they're talking. Story of the Rose, right? Yes. And the woman that comes in and like that music, go back and rewatch this, like that first two minutes. That music gets to, that music gets to me completely, but the film from start to finish is. Have we done a commentary on this yet? I don't know, but I feel like we should. Um, you know, you could argue the top four in the that that Disney genre: Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, What Little Mermaid. I think is what you would put in those four. It's it's the most beautiful. Definitely, I have two movies above it that I just discussed, but this is the most artistic and beautiful like from like the 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 structure itself the plot is pretty deep it's pretty i mean honestly it's pretty intense when you break down what's actually going on um you know you have kidnap you have but like i mean you know bullying you have just like just cruelty based yeah. on some of the i mean commoners the stuff Gaston does is fucked yeah up. um i just i think the movie what maybe hurts it because the movies I have above it, when like I mean, the spoilers, Aladdin, Lion King, um, are easier to swallow as a little kid. Beauty and the Beast might have been a little almost too deep for me as a kid, even though I loved it and appreciated mm-hmm. it and enjoyed watching it. That movie is pretty intense in a like good the way. The message behind really like their whole relationship, like what yes. all season beast, yeah, and the the father, the mirror, like yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty intense film, but like I said, I will, I will, I will die on that hill. The most beautiful animated film I've ever seen. I'll say this: if you have sixty-eight movies you like better than this, I'm excited to see the rest of your list because this one, I mean, this is just an incredible. I mean, you know where it's it's not my favorite Disney movie, obviously, but it is. That's a tough list to even crack the top five of, and it's right up there. I think on pretty much everyone's yeah favorite Disney movie list. Well, you know my my number one Disney. I mean, I've. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
that's going to take the place. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to look up Google Sheets fucking sucks, but I'm trying to look up where this ranks on my list. It's just, yeah, go that, that first two minutes, man. I, oh, I, I yeah. get chills. It's upcoming on my list. Not okay. I, on my list. I'm just saying chills in that first two minutes. Yeah, and that's where, like, I actually think this might be the best Disney live action movie, but. Yeah, I'll agree with that. But the animated one is so fucking good that it's, I mean, none of these are ever going to be as good as their or the originals, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, last one for tonight. Your number 68 God. movie of all time. I'm Nate jumping Thurman around. <laughs> Nate Thurman had The Prestige, directed by Christopher Nolan. And I had the Good John movie. Cho screen life thriller Searching, which you and I actually did. Oh, week. yeah. Go back and check that out. Nate Thurman well, checked out Searching over the weekend, and he fucking loved it. Did he really? Because mm-hmm. he's not usually a fan of... Uh, I mean, it's a little, it maybe a little more palatable for him. Yeah, I told him, like, it, it's not like a jump scary. It's just like the twists and turns kind of catch you by surprise. Yeah. And it's definitely creepy in moments. Yeah. But that kind of, the way those films are filmed, like, fr- um, unfriended and things like that, like, it's hard to be, like, completely scary. Yeah, that's true. Well, speaking of scary, so I went from Apocalypto to Beauty and the Beast. And you're going to love this. Now I'm going to 2002's Naomi Watts horror, The Ring. <coughs> I mean, how many times are you going to hear from Beauty and the Beast to <laughs> The Ring in a, on a list? But I, I recently watched The Ring again um, a few weeks ago. And I, you and I have both openly talked about how one we love horror films yes you know um but it's always been the like the more realistic mur- you know, strangers type murder um slasher movies that we've enjoyed have gotten to us the the supernatural i can enjoy as a film but it's never really like kind of gotten to my core the ring is the first movie i think i've ever i think i was in eighth grade or ninth grade when i saw this that fucking scared the shit out of me Mm-hmm. I mean, like, just I did not want to go to bed that night. Like, I remember laying in bed, just like every silhouette in the room was freaking me out. <laughs> um, and it's one thing that about supernatural films to say, oh, yeah, they scared me and then revisit them. And then, you know, they don't do what they do anymore. Like, you know, everything about it. It's not scary. I think The Ring is kind of and it's funny because it's right next to Beauty and the Beast. It's so well filmed. It's it's such a, a like the cinematography of the sh- of the movie is inherently freaky. Yes. Like if you go revisit this film, even though it's tw- literally twenty years old now, it feels like just a shot of a barn, for no reason, will make your hair stand up on your arms, give you goosebumps. And whether you like the movie or not, you cannot deny that's probably a top three most iconic horror image ever. Oh my! Like of uh, um samara coming out of like her hair the tv the static sound the i phone think ringing that i think jack torrance uh busting his head through the door in the shining and i think carrie getting the blood poured on her are probably the oh, three God. most iconic horror shots it's to ever exist it, and i will say this like <clears throat> that this hasn't changed this movie doesn't feel like it's aged now the only thing that's aged is vhs mm-hmm. right like i mean there's nothing they can do about that but 
you know, if you take that away and just in, in, in enjoy the culture, enjoy the like when the when the film was made, I think even to the modern generation, I think kids watching it now, it still would hold that same level of fear. Um, that I, I just I just I appreciate revisiting this movie and being like, nope, it's exactly as creepy as it always has been. And there's something to say too, like this when this film came out, it was PG-13. So this is one of the wild. Well, if we're at the time for us, we were like sophomores in high school to kind of date ourselves. But so this is one of those films that like we were able to go see at theaters that was still visceral and like creepy as fuck. So I think for us, it kind of that's what made it so memorable for us. It was like one of the movies that was accessible to us literally. And then also like absolutely creepy on a level where we were like, dude, that's not something we've got to see much of before. It, and it introduced, I think, one of the cool things it introduced was a new genre of horror. It introduced, like, Asian horror to America. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that, like, stuck. Like, I remember, like, The Grudge. Like, I didn't like these films as much. Like the I didn't Grudge like The Grudge and, either. So we, we're not sitting here saying, like, yeah, man, just release a PG-13 horror movie and we'd fuck yeah. it up. No, it just introduced, like, I think that was because The Ring w- was a Japanese film, I believe. Um, and so it took the movie studios a chance to like say, Hey, like, let's bring that genre. Cause you know, Asian has their own horror and you know, whether, however you feel about the cabin in the woods film that came out about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they played on the different types of horror movies that came out in different parts of the world. And it was really the ring that introduced that horror to us. And so again, whether you like it or not, like you have to give it credit for, you know, just taking a chance. Um, the, there, there was like a myriad of sequels, obviously that came out after yeah. this have, have, and again, we can't hold that. We can't judge this film based on that. Have you seen any of those? No, I have not. Okay. I've wanted to, to be honest. I've just I, never done. Yeah. I know there was one that came out probably three or four years ago with Vincent D'Onofrio that was actually supposed to be fairly decent, but I'm not sure if I, I need to keep up with all the films to have it make so, sense. So, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm one of those, like, I'm not against watching those, and I know they'll never hold up. I think they're always, like, randomly just never streaming. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the horror films are the weirdest ones when it comes to streaming. They have, they're usually smaller studios, so the rights are just kind of bandied about between all these different yeah. platforms. It looks like, as of now, uh, The Ring, the original, the one you just referenced from O2, is on... Netflix and Paramount Plus, but like you said, that could be a week to week situation for some yeah. of these when they get pulled. Did rewatch it on Netflix a few weeks ago with my sister because she's such a horror buff too. And oh. we both were like, we both watched it and we were both like, yep, nope, it's everything we always remember it to be. <laughs> well, uh, if you guys have recommendations for horror movies for cycling, I to do our commentaries on this Halloween, let us know. But this might be one when you come down that we have to do a commentary on. That'd be a fun one. It's like a class. I mean, it still is going to scare the shit out of me, but yeah, I also kind of want to rewatch the strangers, but I think it would still scare me too much. God, that'd be a fun one to do <laughs> as like, <laughs> I don't know. Good shit. Well, I'm yeah. glad that horror. I mean, you, we were kind of counting on you as the real horror head here on the the pod i mean i'm kind of there with you but to have them well represented so i'm glad that the ring which is viewed by most i think everyone uh who likes horror as an iconic horror movie to crack your top 100 and 68 we uh thurman and i said this last week when you get into the top 70 like think about how many movies 
you've seen in your life like this is we're playing for keeps right here you know it's getting hard because honestly once you hit top 50 you're literally and arguably like talking about best movies of the year consistently yeah that's true i mean it's 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 tough guy that's why i encourage everyone to do this because this is not an easy task yeah you think it's easy but in your head you're like oh that's a top 10 movie that's a top 10 movie and then you realize you've named 20 movies yep you know I had a list that I separated. I don't know how you do this, but like I literally put top 20 movies. It's a known category and then had to expand from there and knock movies out. I was like, this is impossible, dude. Yeah, it's tough. And it, some movies like you think you like more than you do, because when you actually start, like you were saying, measuring them up against other films, you know that you love. You're like, oh, wow, this one is definitely not in the same tier as yep. all these other ones. And we do say. I've been very vocal about this. I will change my list, but only after I rewatch a movie will I allow it to move up and down. I'm not just going to wake up tomorrow and decide, you know what? I don't think I like Happy Gilmore as much as I did yesterday. <laughs> and well, drop it. Do you ever like, I, and that's another fun part about this task. Like there's times you're saying it out loud. And you're like, dude, this movie should be much higher. And then you're like, dude, why is this movie so high? Yeah. Like, it, it, it makes sense that movies change how you feel, but that's what makes it cool too. As we mature, the list matures with Tours. us. <laughs> with a, like a fine wine. All right. That will do it for episode 186. Cycli, any closing thoughts or words of wisdom for the people out there? Yeah, everyone, when you're on the highway, just know the left lane, the mo- left most lane is the fast lane. It's the passing lane. So if you find yourself in that lane and someone is coming up right behind you, then you need to pull over and get in the center lane and let them pass you because you are going too slow for that lane. And our semi-truck drivers who might be listening to this, first off, thank you for all the work you do. You definitely keep our economy running. But that lane is really not for you unless yeah, you're passing please. another semi-truck. Then please get over. But here's the thing when the semis pass the semis. Can you look before you get in front of me in the left lane to pass another semi and you notice that there's no one for a mile behind me? <laughs> Can you just wait <laughs> and true. let just let me, me go pass. real quick? Yeah. Like I was doing fine about to pass you. And at the last <laughs> second, you're like, oh, got to get over. And I'm like, dude, there was no one behind me. Trust and it me, takes you need... 10 minutes to pass. Yeah. Especially on like a two lane road. Yeah. <laughs> just help a brother out. But respect the left lane, guys. Good advice. I'll leave the people with the usual. Again, guys, I'm getting my haircut tomorrow. I plan on making smart decisions while I'm in the chair. No crazy dyes. No hairstyle that I haven't rocked since middle school. Um, when you go to get your haircut, do the same thing. Again, it's not a permanent decision, but it's going to last you a good five, six weeks. So not the time to get experimental, especially if you're in your early to mid-30s. Like, we know what your hair looks like. Now's not the time to throw a curveball in there. Nothing's changing. I'm going to get a haircut before Bro Force weekend, so I'm going to make it. I might, I'm going to go good. You're going to go gonna get a little. I might go, uh, I might go bleach go old school oh there you go like our high school football team just made the states right that's right (laughs) (laughs) all right for our legal counsel ronnie cycli i'm the mayor jeff hornacek we are the bro four squad podcast thank you guys so much for listening to us follow us on twitter at bro four squad if you type in bro force squad as three separate words will come up on pretty much everything but especially apple podcasts spotify and YouTube, and check out our top 100 movies of all time list updated each time we drop an episode found on our website at broforsquad.com. Till next time, we'll catch you on, I guess, Disney Plus, Screaming Kenobi, and I'm revisiting Boy Meets World because it's awesome. 
Mr. Matthews? I was, uh... I was surprised... Oh, wait. So you didn't you, you didn't do your top 100 when you did your opening quote. Yeah, I just did a movie that 